I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and in this episode, we're talking military wives and the wishmas tree, plus all the latest movie and trailer news. So this week we saw Military Wives, Lee, and um, this was a, I guess, going into the cinema, you knew it was going to be this nice feel-good film Mm -hmm. to kind of kick off the year in a way, the front half of the year. And this is based on a true story of the first military wives choir formed in the UK. Now, what did you think this was going to be like? It pretty much was what I expected. I love Mm. a British comedy with a bit of heart. I think they do it so well. And this is quite a heavy topic about war and the women left behind when their partners go off to war and the I guess, uncertainty that they're left dealing with and the fear of that knock on the door that might come one day. And, of course, they deal with it in the typical British stiff upper lip way. Totally. There was definitely a lot of that. And I think Kristen Scott Thomas was that stiff upper lip Mm. personified, especially juxtaposed to Sharon Horgan's character, Lisa, who was a little bit more of a free spirit and wanted to try new things. And and I guess they butted heads as characters. Mm. I personally thought that Kristen Scott Thomas was overacting a lot. However, really, she did definitely portray the sort of character she was meant to be. I just think it was a little bit much from time to time, especially next to Sharon, who I think was effortlessly brilliant in this Mm. movie. I want to see more of her in British international films. I think she just brings so much oomph. To, uh, is oomph, does that make sense? You know what I'm trying to say? A bit of life, like a she, bit of spark. She, yeah, she's definitely got this spark. She's kind of this cool, don't give a shit sort of vibe. Mm. But she's very, very relatable. And I think she was brilliant. She was so. She was actually my favourite part of the film. Definitely. But I think the performances from the whole cast, not just the two leads, were incredible. Everybody mm. was really, really solid. But what I was disappointed in is that we didn't get to see more of that, more of the other mm. supporting cast. Their stories were almost more pivotal. 
Yeah, definitely. I think there was a lot of breakthrough moments for some of these characters in their confidence in singing and them dealing with the fact that, you know, their their husbands are off to war mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things. And I think they did kind of skim over the surface there. But at the end of the day, it was about women coming together with it through a shared experience and the choir gave them that. Yes, but going back to that point that you just mentioned, they did skim over a lot. And I really would have liked to have seen a deeper exploration of some of the side stories that were going on, like the mother-daughter mm. relationship between Sharon Hawkins' character. You know, that was quite superficial. Also, there's a very pivotal moment in the film that's highly emotional and I feel like they moved on from that really quickly. Yeah, I think they wanted to get to the more uplifting tone that Mm. this film certainly laid out for us right from the beginning. I think that where you did nail it on the head in the relationship between Sharon Horgan's character Lisa and her daughter, that was so poorly done Mm. and it it was almost irritating and so frustrating, not because it was a mother and a teenage daughter, but just the way it was portrayed and written, I thought was really, really weak. Mm. And it kind of added to another element of the film that was just, yeah, let's just look the other way. We don't really want to do this, you know, too deep or do Mm. it so much justice. But I think there was a, there was going to be a lot of beauty in really digging into that mother daughter relationship because there was clear tension and issues there. And I thought, you know, let's get, Let's get to the bottom of this. There was also this rich area. You know, it's not just about adjusting while their spouses were away at war. There was also this rich area about what happens when they get back and how awkward Mm. and how you have to rebuild these relationships because they're gone for maybe six months at a time in the case of this movie. They sort of touched on it when they came back. You know, you adjust to being a single parent for so long and then all of a sudden your spouse is back but you don't know for how long, you weren't sure if they were coming back, you had to sort of detach yourself. You know, there was this really rich area that just wasn't explored enough. Look, there was a lot more to enjoy about the film as it went on, Mm. but I think it opened in a really weak way because what would you call it, a montage of Mm. families saying goodbye to their husbands. Mm. And I don't think that the writers and the director did a good enough job in establishing the context of the military base that these women and their Mm. children lived on. I was a little bit confused. Yeah, I didn't understand the nature of that place and what they were there to do. Were they just doing fuck all? They're just hanging around and and I was going to say, that was one of the thoughts that I had, was that they just have so much time to socialise and drink. And where were the kids during this time? Which is one of the plot points that the kids are off the rails because they're not focusing on them. They're busy focusing on themselves and their social club activities just starts this is how it is and I found myself stumbling to connect with these women because Mm. I don't think that the writers or director did a good enough job to establish who they were and their lifestyle Mm. and then it took me a while to kind of relate to them a bit but then you know it then was wrapping up in a nice bow and it was really pleasant film at the Mm. end of the day. So it's like they were relying on the emotionality of the music rather than the character the depth of the characters. Yeah I think so. And, I mean, there is always something innately awkward about watching people who can't necessarily sing sing. <laughs> but I think I think this film and, and the beautiful performances that you've called mm. out before really broke down that awkwardness and you grew with them and you basically were just cheering them on by the end, weren't you? Yeah. So how many popcorn kernels would you give military wives out of five? Look, there's nothing wrong with a film like this. It didn't break new ground. It wasn't particularly perfectly made 
especially from a character development point of view. So I'm not going to give it too high a popcorn kernel rating. I'd probably give it like a two and a half. It was nice. It was an enjoyable film, but it certainly wasn't anything spectacular. I was going to go with three because it really emotionally affected me. It did hit me where it was supposed to. Uh, and the performances were fantastic, I thought. But yeah, the storyline could have been fleshed out a little better. We also checked out The Wishmas Tree, which is an animated kids film about a ring-tailed possum named Carrie, voiced by Miranda Tapsell, who longs for adventure and wishes that the big wild world would come to her. And it also features comedian Ross Noble as the voice of Yara, who's a sort of shaman in this Mm. community. And this is the first animation of a planned trilogy set in the world of Sanctuary City, where all these animals live in harmony with each other. I thought this film was really cute. Yeah. I I quite enjoyed it. And I guess I wrongfully called out on the podcast last week that this was a Christmas movie. Mm. I mean, I think in a way the title is a bit misleading, like The Wishmas Tree and the premise about this ringtail possum who had brought, you know, snow and ice all to to Mm. Sanctuary City. So it kind of feels like a Christmas movie when you're reading about it, but it really is its own standalone world. And I think they did a really good job, especially at the beginning of the film, establishing that world. I was going to say the context. Sorry, I was going to say the exposition was a bit much for me. There's a fair bit of exposition to set up this franchise and Mm. it's laying it all out for the kids, I guess, which they kind of have to do. But it's also quite a complicated concept where they've inserted the ideas of extinction and Mm -hmm. all that kind of thing in there, which is... It's a good thing to do, but the tone of the film was very young. Yeah, well, the opening exposition felt anything but young. Mm. It took a lot of time to explain this world, and I was kind of like, whoa, I'm taking a lot of information Mm. here. It did go on for quite a while. And then about halfway through, you also get another piece of exposition that Mm. is, couldn't have you just told that earlier on, Mm. or it just felt like you were having to go back into this world of right information overload. But then the rest of it in how the characters talked, the humour, where the moral and ethical positions that these characters were in were just so clear, black and Mm. white, and literally saying it to the camera almost, this is what I need to do now, was very, very childish. So, yeah, it was a bit confusing in its tone uh, at first. It was a bit hammy, but that's great for kids. That is great for young kids. Full mm-hmm. of poop and fart jokes. Literally. I <laughs> Literally. Need to, I'm, I need to go do a poo. <laughs> and, I mean, I could just imagine my little nieces just lapping that up. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They'll, it's silly, but it's funny, you know, like for them. Yeah, they'll get a real kick out of it. The Sanctuary City mm. design was generic enough to have mass appeal, but I was quite disappointed in that, actually, because this world of Sanctuary City, You know, this is an Australian animation, which is really exciting. Mm. And there were some Australian animals in there, but they've chosen with this first movie to focus on a ring-tailed possum, which Mm -hmm. is Australian, but not one of the iconic Australian animals that international audiences would know, I guess, would first associate Australia with, um, which is a bit of a shame because then the, the locale and where this sanctuary city is sort of set was not innately Australian, I feel like there was a bit of a missed opportunity there. Like, I really would have liked it to have been more uniquely Aussie in landscape and Mm. animals. Um, But I guess they've got to make it a bit more generic to have mass appeal. That is such a good point. You know, you've got this beautiful representation of 
a lot of iconic Australian animals. I think the representation of the cane toad was quite fun mm. as well. He was trying to be this scary guy, but, you know... It's just a cane toad. She saw right through him. Mm. Yeah, he's just a cane toad with warts. He was really not menacing at all. But, yeah, the, the landscape wasn't distinctly Australian. You are so right. But mm. I guess it was a creative decision to position iconic Australian characters, i.e. our native fauna, mm. in more of a fantastical world, which I think they did. There were a lot of... I think that the animation for the landscape and the colours and everything was beautiful. And I think they really lent into that fantasy mm. uh, feeling. However, I think where the animation led itself down was in the actual characters themselves, the character design. Really? And it kind of felt like you were watching a ABC2 yes. cartoon. I'm glad you said that because actually that's exactly what I thought, that you're watching a cartoon mm. in movie form, an Aussie cartoon in movie form, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, Again, no. it's aimed at very young children. Definitely. I just think if they brought some of the detail and uh, I guess the skill of the animation they had in the environment and brought that into the characters, then I think it just aesthetically would have been a bit more engaging for me anyway. Mm. I think that was that actually let it down was the lack of detail in the character's design. With the way that we animate films these days, I kind of feel like that's inexcusable because the technology is there and the, and the skill mm. of animators these days can make it look photorealistic if that's what you're going for. I think it needed to work a bit harder in the character design. How many popcorn kernels would you give the wish machine? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I quite liked it. I could definitely see my nieces enjoying it. It wasn't gripping me personally, mm. but I'm a 31-year-old adult, <laughs> so it's not really for me, but I could see a lot of potential in the franchise. 
I think I might give this a three because it's it has a lot of potential and I think the sequels could be quite fun. I'm going to agree with you there. I'm quite excited and energised. The fact that it's an Australian animation, it's produced locally, it's got Australian stars in it um, and Australian animals on the big screen. And I think this could do well internationally if they get to release it internationally. And I'm really excited to see what the next movies are going to bring, hopefully more iconically unique Australian animals. Like I'd love to see like an echidna or an emu or something like that. There were a few holes in there. There wasn't a single kangaroo or koala. No, but I think that's what they're trying to do differently. So I did see Mm. some other, like I did see an emu in there and I I did see, um, obviously we had the cane toad, as we mentioned, and the Mm ringtail possum. I like that, that they're not going for just the stock standard, you know, kangaroos, koalas and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, I'll give it a three. Yeah. And I mean, when they expand into the world of Sanctuary City and beyond, Mm. maybe we'll uh, encounter those characters. Well, so that was Military Wives, which has advanced screenings on March 6th to 8th, and it is in cinemas March 12th, Mm -hmm. and The Wishmas Tree is out now. Yes, it's in cinemas now. Also in cinemas now is Honey Boy, finally in cinemas. We have raved about this film, and I'm really excited that it's in cinemas and people can see it now. Yeah, and uh, check out our popcorn podcast episode where we review that film what is also out is the invisible man and everyone is raving about this movie from aussie writer director lee wanell and it's a modernized thriller inspired by universal's classic monster character and it's starring elizabeth moss as a woman stalked by her violent scientist ex and i my friend liz has literally just come out of the movie and Mm. saying it's real sick it's like well that's her words anyway (laughs) uh and it's really messy with the head it sounds like a really visceral yep uh, confronting experience. So, Absolutely. yeah, check that out, cinemas now. We've also got another Aussie film, Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears, starring Essie Davis, who reprises her role of Miss Fisher, the Melbourne detective from the 1920s. Um, and after freeing a young girl in Jerusalem, Miss Fisher begins to unravel a mystery involving emeralds and an ancient curse. So this is really taking a really popular series and just giving it the big screen treatment. That's always really exciting when that happens. Mm. Hopefully they get it right as well. Also in cinemas is Les Miserables, the stage concert, and that's got a limited release screening in celebration of the musical's 35th year on London's West End. Still blows my mind every time I say that. We've also got Motherless Brooklyn, which is a screenplay written by and directed by Edward Norton, and it's set in 1950s Brooklyn about a lonely detective with Tourette's syndrome who's trying to solve the murder of his mentor. It's a very Edward Norton film. Through and through. And we also have Guns Akimbo, and that's out, and it follows a guy in a dead-end job played by Daniel Radcliffe. He gets caught up in a life-or-death game for the amusement of an online audience, and it's kind of a Scott Pilgrim meets Hunger Games uh, with a dab of dark humour. Mm-hmm. In news this week, we've got the title for Jurassic World 3 officially has come through. Director- drum roll, Yay. drum roll. Director Colin Trevorrow revealed Dominion is the name in an image from the first day on set. And Chris Pratt has been on Ellen this week and said that Jurassic World 3 or Jurassic World Dominion, as we now know, is the Avengers Endgame of the Jurassic Park or World franchise, which I think is such an overzealous, concerning thing to say. I mean, Avengers Endgame was a culmination of 20... (laughs) three films or something over a decade that captured the world Mm. and is the highest grossing film of all time. 
And then, you know, the Jurassic World series has kind of made a butt ton of money, but pissed people off along the way. Mm. They're not great films, especially Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And I think that he's just kind of using his uh, street cred as being one of the Avengers, you know, Marvel Universe, you know, Mm. characters or yeah, Avengers or whatever, and might be going into territory that he can't come back from when you say (laughs) inflammatory shit like that. Is this like the Beatles saying they're bigger than Jesus? Yes, but honestly, at one point in time, I think they were. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're valid, but Chris Pratt is not. <laughs> yeah, that was a valid statement in the 60s. Uh, this is not a valid statement in the, well, the new 20s or whatever mm-hmm. the hell we're calling this decade. And Steven Spielberg has stepped down as the director of Indiana Jones 5, and he's tipped James Mangold, who did Ford versus Ferrari and Logan, to take mm. the reins. Honestly, I'd prefer Steven Spielberg, but I'm not mad about this. James Mangold is a really great filmmaker. Um, I loved Logan. And if he brings mm. the same sort of serious sensibility and the production values of Ford versus Ferrari were fantastic. Yeah. The performances were fantastic. He's, he's a good director. He's a solid director. So I'm not mad about it. If we can't get Steven Spielberg, James Mangold will do, I guess. <laughs> I am so happy with James potentially directing this film. I'm with you. I think he's a fantastic filmmaker. And the two films that you've listed are two of his strongest films, especially mm. Logan, I think, was a just such a surprise hit in how he took that beloved character and really did something gritty and different with it while delivering an incredible performance from Hugh Jackman and kind of like a finale to this epic, Uh, adventure that he's been on as playing Wolverine. I can't help but be really disappointed though, because I mean, Steven Spielberg's been behind the indie Mm. lens for 39 years. And I think that this was an opportunity for him to write some wrongs that were kind of left behind with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And he won't ever get that opportunity. I mean, he's staying on as producer, so there is a lot of influence there. But I think uh, Indy without Spielberg is um, is a hard pill to swallow. So we have some news from Mulan, which is just around the corner. It's coming out very, very soon. Uh, we already knew that it's not a musical and that we're not getting the sidekick Mushu, which is hmm. a shame. But also the character of Li Shang, who is the love interest and also commanding officer of Mulan, has been taken out. Mm-hmm. And they've introduced two separate characters to replace him. So there'll be a love interest who's a separate character and then the commanding officer will be a separate character because they've decided that it's too problematic in today's Me Too climate to have a love interest who's a commanding officer, mm. which is a good point. And I think, I think what they've done with Milan is exciting because, sure, there's these iconic elements that made it such a popular and brilliant film, musical, Mushu, you know, all these mm. things, but... These creator, the creators behind this have really looked at Chinese mythology and around areas that would be seen as respectful, disrespectful, and they kind of built this journey, this story with Milan that will feel a lot more, I think, real and true to the character. And it's also exciting that they're risking it. You know, they're not just doing a shot-for-shot shot mm. remake and despite those things that are lacking or missing... I'm really intrigued to see how they pull this one off. They've also removed uh, the kiss between Mulan and her love interest, just out of respect mm. to mm-hmm. the Chinese people. And they're trying to make it. They're going a long way to try and make it more respectful to Chinese culture. 
yeah, which I think is really important. It's a shame, though, that uh, it looks like China won't be getting the film at the same time as the rest of the world. The release is likely mm. going to be delayed due to the coronavirus crisis. It opens up the likelihood of piracy. So, I mean, I don't know if doing this is a good idea. Obviously, people aren't going to go to the cinema and be in a big crowded room full of people to see it. On the other hand, you know, you need to give them options to be able to view it. Yeah. With this, at the same time as the rest of the world. Otherwise, people are going to be ripping it off the internet and illegally downloading it. It's a big call because I think this film could potentially be enormous from a revenue perspective yeah. in, in China. And I guess maybe they're waiting for the coronavirus to kind of, I don't know, it seems to just be going up and up. Like, are they waiting for it to plateau so mm. people feel safe and confident to go out? Do you think they maybe should have delayed it with the rest of the world? Yes, but I don't think a machine such as a film of this scale can be part of that. No. That's a delicate one to to manage. I think they might be too far down that down the road. Mm. We also got some new trailers this week. We got a lot of new trailers this week, actually. Uh, and this isn't strictly a trailer. This is a behind-the-scenes featurette from Bond 25 or No Time to Die. And in mm. it, the director, Kerry Joji Fukunaga, I hope I said that right, says the movie is going to be a race from when Bond is called to action to the end of the movie, which really excites me and energises me. It makes me think this is mm. going to be really action-packed, which I hope it mm. is. And he's also said it's the culmination of all that Bond has become and definitely is the final chapter for Daniel Craig. Yeah, I found this featurette really, really sharp. Mm. It actually, probably for the first time, it's got me legitimately excited for this film. And I think it's kind, it's nice that the director has taken the time to nurture the fan base and say, guys, we're in for a great ride. But he comes across really earnest, does mm. that make sense, in his VO, in yeah. his tone? It was kind of a bit unexpected and it looked stunning. Oh my gosh, this is probably going to be the most gorgeous Bond film. Let's hope so. After all the production delays and issues that it's faced, it's out on April 8. Fingers and toes crossed. Uh, We've also got the final trailer for Antlers, which is a horror film starring Kerry Russell. It's rated R in the States for violence, which kind of is more of an MMA in the Australian Mm. market. And that's coming out in cinemas April 16. This film looks creepy AF, man. Like, (laughs) oh, God. It's evil. (laughs) We also got Rumble, which is an animation about monster wrestling, which looks quite fun. Mm. And they've released that trailer 12 months before its release. Mm, Yeah, it's coming in... this time next year. It's a long way off yeah, yet. It looks it looks great. Uh, Paramount Animation, they've made some great films in Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs, so I'm keen mm. to see them going, uh, telling another fun family story as that franchise, I think, has come to a close. Mm, who knows? Yeah. Has, who has knows? any Sorry. franchise ever really come to a close in this day and age? Uh, no. Case in point, Indiana Jones 5 with a 73-year-old <laughs> Harrison Ford. <laughs> I'm here for that, though. I'm here for that. I want to oh, see that. Me too. Me too. We also got the first uh, trailer for Candyman from Jordan Peele. Now, this is creepy AF. Oh, my God. This trailer terrified me. Did you ever play this game in school where you stood in front of the mirror and dared each other to say the name? I don't want to say it. It's too scary. Fuck no. Fuck no. Because I'm not superstitious, but if I don't have to play those sorts of games, I won't. There was because another- somewhere deep inside me, I feel like it's real. I don't know. There was another one called Mary, I think. Do you remember that one? No? Am I, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but... I don't remember Mary, no. Mm. Oh, God. But this is from a producer, Jordan Peele, and, of course, he has dominated the horror mm. 
uh, space for a couple of years with us and Get Out. Mm. Uh, he's not directing this, but he's got they've you know stamped his name all over this film, and I think that's a good omen. We also got The High Note starring Tracy Ellis Ross and Dakota Johnson as a superstar diva and her assistant, respectively. And both are faced with decisions that could change their careers forever. Front half of this trailer made me roll my eyes and then I feel like it delved into some territory that will be interesting, Mm. especially from the position of Tracy Ellis Ross's character. Mm. I mean, Dakota Johnson, I'm kind of... Yeah, nah, not really vibing that. And the whole poor me assistant who's been in this role for three years and she wants to be music producer mm. and it's all a bit odd. Yeah, I was getting anyway. I was getting vibes of, of Whitney Houston in The Bodyguard from Tracy Ellis mm. Ross. And then also with Dakota Johnson, it was almost like Pitch Perfect, like Anna Kendrick in yes. Pitch Perfect. I want to be a producer. Oh Can I be a producer? Yeah. Uh, we have quite a lot of films coming out releasing on March 5th. And the first one is Dark Waters, which is a film that uh, we saw Mm. this week as well. So we'll be bringing a review for this film uh, next time. And that's inspired by a true story about an attorney played by Mark Ruffalo who shines a spotlight on a dark secret connecting a growing number of unexplained deaths to a large corporation and in its use and dumping of an unregulated chemical. It's quite a scary film, really. It definitely in its topic mm. and, and what's kind of going on. It's terrifying. You're right. We've also got mm. Downhill, which we're checking out as well, which is based on the Swedish film Force Majeure. So this is part of that whole thing where Hollywood thinks they can remake foreign movies better than the country that made it in the first place. Uh, yeah. And it's about an avalanche threatening a family while they're on vacation and then they're forced to, the couple are forced to reevaluate their feelings for each other and it stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell. So this is kind of like a black comedy. I'm so here for this film. I think uh, it's a great premise. I know it's based on a Mm. foreign language film, but I am kind of curious to see what they they bring to the table here and I think the cast is brilliant, especially Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I just can't get enough of these days. Also out on March 5th is The Lovebirds, which is an action comedy starring Issa Rae and Kamal Nanjiani as a couple who get caught up in a murder mystery. Yeah, we covered this trailer a couple of podcasts ago, and I think this is going to be the breakout comedy hit of the year. Mm. I just have this feeling about it. It just looks freaking awesome. And we've also got The Photograph, which also stars Issa Rae in a romantic drama about two love stories intertwined through a mother-daughter relationship and a photograph that throws up an unexpected series of questions. We've also got The Big Trip, which is a family film, an animation, about a stork who mistakenly delivers a baby panda to the wrong place and a bear, a moose, a tiger and a rabbit have to set off on an adventure to return it to its rightful home. I mean, from the Wishmas tree to potentially the big trip, maybe we can go on a cute little uh, animated journey mm-hmm. of films in the next coming weeks. And finally, The Way Back uh, comes out on March 5th, and this is a story of redemption starring Ben Affleck. And he plays a former basketball rising star struggling with alcoholism, which feels very close to home because mm. Ben Affleck as an actor has been going through that of, of late. And he's offered a coaching job at his old school, And as the team starts to win, he must confront his old demons. So I think this might be a bit of a cathartic project for Ben. But I do feel like we've heard this story before. Time and time again. I guess it's the different perspective that they bring and Mm. and the performances that make it stand out. 
that's it for this week. Another episode of Popcorn Podcast has been and gone. Thank you for listening. It's in the can. Uh, you can catch Military Wives in cinemas March 12th with some advanced screenings 6th to the 8th and Australian animated film The Wish Mystery. Thanks, guys, for listening. Catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.